We have several scriptures this morning that I will read from the prophets. The first is from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And now from Malachi chapter 4, 2 through 6. But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And from Haggai chapter 2, 7 through 9. I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. So today I'm going to start a new series called The Songs of Christmas. We're going to look at the words and the theological and biblical roots of some of our Christmas songs. And I believe this is important because sometimes we just sing the songs without really thinking about them or knowing where the words come from. And so today we'll start with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, an appropriate song to be sung on the first Sunday of Advent when we remember the prophets who prophesied about the Messiah. The hymn is a, a prayer of longing. It's a calling out to God to deliver from darkness. And I've printed the lyrics in your worship folders, the worship part of that, so that you can follow along with what the lyrics say. The first stanza reads, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and that comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where Isaiah prophesies that the virgin will give birth to a son and call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then the next line of the first stanza tells us what Emmanuel came to do, and that is to ransom captive Israel, that Israel represents all the people of God for all time, and a ransom needed to be paid for them because all people have indebted themselves to God with their sin. And so that means, yes, we are born into slavery, slavery to sin, slavery to death, and slavery to the devil. First of all, without Christ, we're slaves to sin. Think about it. We can't help but sin. Try not sinning for one day where everything we think and say and do is perfectly in line with God's will. We just can't do it no matter how hard we try. And so every day there's sin accumulated upon sin. And because of this, we owe a debt and a penalty to God, which is death. And so we're also slaves to death. 
We all die. None of us escapes physical death. And because we have death hanging over our heads for most of the world, this is a a terrifying thing. We live under the tyranny of death. And then we're also enslaved to the devil. Devil is more powerful than us. He is more cunning than us. And we came under slavery to the devil when our first father, Adam, listened to the evil one instead of to God. And when he chose to do what the evil one suggested, then he came under his influence and enslavement. Basically, Adam sold himself into slavery to the evil one. And all his children after him were born into that same slavery. And so we are slaves to sin and the death and to the devil. Now, I told you there's a children's sermon coming, right? Okay, so kids, come on up for the children's sermon. Come on up. How many know what a debt means? Have you ever heard the word debt? You know what it means? I thought it was death. No, not death. That's a good, good, that's a good point to make. There's a word called debt. It's spelled kind of weird. D-E-B-T, like debt, but it's like debt. So what is a debt? Dead. No, no, not <laughs> debt. Debt. Do you know what? Do you know what a word means? No? Do you know what the word debt means? What does it mean? Like like you want to get out of debt, but what does it mean if you owe a debt? You owe money to someone, right? Okay. So usually we think of debt as I owe this person money. But there's also a debt we owe God, and that's obedience. And we don't always obey, and so we just keep falling more and more into debt. And so, back in Jesus' time, if you owed a debt and you could not pay your debt, they would lock you up and throw you in prison until you paid your debt. Now, Henry, you knew what a debt was? Okay, and you owe me a debt, if I remember right. Take this man away, he owes me a debt. All right, let's, let's, let's just get him out of here. Let's get him over here. <laughs> now, he's in debt. He owes me. And he's not getting out until he pays or until someone takes his place. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus said, okay, all the debts that all you guys owe, I'll pay it. And I'll take his place.
You're free. See what Jesus did? He paid his de- our debt so that we don't have to. And then he took our place and he suffered the penalty we deserved for our sin, and that was death. But death could not hold him. No, I, I, I tightened up by mistake. No. <laughs> Hope I brought the right key. <laughs> so. Death could not hold him, all right? So now Jesus is free of the grave, and he has life in himself, and he gives life to everyone he gives life to. Live, 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 live. Jesus gives us life. And then the evil one who wanted to enslave us, he stands between us and the evil one. It says, you can't have them, and you can't enslave them anymore. Hey, let's give a hand to Officer Eric. So, what's a debt? You owe someone money, or you owe someone something like obedience, right? Who paid our debt? Jesus, all right, and y'all, and God did too. Okay, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus who paid a debt we could not pay and also took the punishment that we deserve for our sins. So Lord, we're grateful for Jesus and we pray, Lord, that Jesus who has life in and of himself will give us that life through faith in him. In his name we pray, amen. Okay, if you're In kindergarten or above, you go back and sit with your parents. If you're below kindergarten, you can go to uh, children's church or you can go back and sit with your parents too, okay? Thank you, Henry. So Jesus came to ransom captive Israel. Now, here's why we needed Emmanuel to do it. Emmanuel means God with us. The Redeemer had to be both God and man. He had to be a man because it was man who was in bondage. The life of man had to be given for man. But the person had to have so much worth that they could atone for all the sins of all mankind, that's infinite worth, and no one has infinite worth but God. And so the person offering the ransom had to be both man and God, Emmanuel, God with us. And then the song tells us that he brought us home from exile. We who are far off were brought near. 
We who were by nature children of wrath have been made the sons and daughters of God. We who were captive have been set free. Now we'll go to the second stanza of the song, and it says, O come, O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer. Dayspring is another word for sunrise, and this is a description of the Messiah mentioned in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, where the prophet writes, But as for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. And then in that same passage of Malachi in verse 5, after Malachi promises that the sun, like sunrise of righteousness, will come, he says, I will send the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Now, Malachi is the last prophet. 400 years pass. And then the angel Gabriel appears to a man named Zechariah and says to Zechariah that your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. And this is what the angel says of the baby. He will bring back many in Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make people already make, make a people ready prepared for the Lord. And so the angel quotes the prophecy of Malachi. And then when John the Baptist is born, Zechariah says this at his son's birth. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. Again, both of those are references to the prophecy of Malachi. And so both Malachi and Zechariah predict that the son of righteousness will come and bring light to the world, especially after a time of darkness. Now, has there ever been a time of darkness in your life when you just longed for the morning sun to come? About 30 years ago, on this same weekend, I went camping with some friends, and we camped to the top of Mount San Jacinto, which is the 10,000-foot peak that is over uh, Palm Springs. Uh, The weather turned on us, and... What started out as a beautiful day turned into like a 15-degree night with 30-mile-per-hour winds. Now, I know that's a typical night here in Kansas, but uh, I was not prepared for a night like that. And my sleeping bag did not have a sufficient rating, and I literally thought I was going to freeze to death that night in my tent, and I probably prayed for three hours before dawn, just praying that somehow dawn would get there quickly. This was Israel, 70 years in captivity in Babylon. And when they come home, they soon fall under the yoke of the Greeks. Then after the Greeks, it's the yoke of the Romans. And by the time of Jesus, they have just been calling out to God, 
during a period that they called living in the land of the shadow of death. And we too have times when things seem hopeless, when the night seems long, when we pray for the night to end. There are dark times in all of our lives. And in contrast to the darkness, the Messiah brings light. Jesus, first of all, sheds light on the way of salvation. And then his presence in our lives actually brings light to our dark situations. You see, hopelessness comes from this thought. There is no one or nothing that can intervene. Things will never be better than what they are. That's hopelessness. But into whatever hopeless situation we live in, Jesus says, I am the light. I can bring light. Now the third stanza reads, O come thou wisdom from on high. This is a phrase referred to by the Apostle Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, where he says that Jesus is the wisdom from God. Now, if we read Proverbs chapter 2, the Proverbs talk about wisdom, but in chapter 2, it talks about wisdom as a person. And wisdom uses the first person calling on people to follow him or her. And Paul says, you know, that person is not just a concept. It is a person, and that is Christ. And it is through Christ that we gain true wisdom. And here's what wisdom is. It's living according to the divine order. It's living in right relationship with God and with creation. Now, true wisdom needs God. Because if you remove God from the equation, then life becomes a pursuit of pleasure, a pursuit of power. Step on whoever to get what I want. True wisdom flows from a belief system that embraces higher principles that find their origin in God. Principles such as truth, justice, love, giving, and mercy. Life without God has no motive for these things. And yes, there are people who don't believe in God who hold these values, but they have inherited these values from a Judeo-Christian ethic. And even if they have those values, they can't give you the foundational reasons why they hold to them. Life without God is Darwinism, survival of the fittest, the law of the jungle, do what will get you what you want. And atheistic regimes throughout the world prove this out, where the wants of the state overrule the rights given by an almighty creator. And so the wisdom of ancient Israel realized there is no wisdom without belief in God. Paul is telling us there's no true wisdom without Christ. 
Now we come to the fourth stanza. O come, O come, desire of nations. The prophet Haggai in chapter 2, verse 7, uses this name for the Messiah. I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come, and will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty, and in this place I will grant peace. So according to Haggai's message, the desire of all nations would come. He would come to a rebuilt temple. And by him coming into a rebuilt temple, the glory of God would fill the temple. Well, Jesus did come. He was in that rebuilt temple. And by Jesus being there, the glory of God was there. And Haggai says, this desired of nations will bring peace. Now, we usually think of peace as the world without war. But Scripture uses the word shalom for peace. That's not just an absence of war. That's peace between us and God. Peace of conscience. A sense of inner peace. Peace between brethren. This is the peace the Messiah brings. The peace of Christ in our hearts does not mean that we'll have a life without conflict or trial. What it means is in the midst of conflict and trial, we can still have peace. I read a story of a king who commissioned a painting for the the best artists in his land, and he wanted them to paint on the theme of peace. And when a date arrived, the artists brought their work, and Nearly all of them painted tranquil landscapes, you know, a quiet brook, a a peaceful sea, mountain meadows. But there was one man who painted a scene of a stormy sea, a dark, uh, threatening sky with waves crashing along the cliffs. And in the cleft of the rock, a nest with a little bird nestled under his mother's wing with a look of peace. The king chose that one as the winning painting because he said peace isn't the absence of conflict or storm. It's having peace in the midst of conflict and storm. The song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is a song of longing. It is written in a minor key to convey sadness And it uses dark language like mourning, loneliness, exile, captivity, strife, quarrels, gloom, darkness, and shadow. Such darkness is part of living in a fallen world. And we experience this darkness in prolonged illnesses, in death, in handicaps, incapacities, Strained marriages, divorce, rebellious kids, strained relationships, betrayal by friends, abuse by loved ones, and a quagmire of depression and mental illness. We cry out just as those of ancient days. The song may be a song of darkness, 
but it is a song of hope. Because in the midst of a dark and fallen world, God is with us. The wisdom from on high has come to show us the way. The desire of all nations has given us peace. Christ is all these things. And therefore, we have hope. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray for those whose lives are not at peace this morning. We pray for shalom, and we pray for hope. If we find ourselves depressed or hopeless, Lord, we pray that you would intervene and shine your light. You are present in the world, and so we will wait for your deliverance. If our lack of shalom is a strained relationship with a friend or a family member, Lord, we give you these relationships. We pray that you intervene. Pray that you would guide us through them and in them. We pray that we would be as you to them. And if we find our hearts in conflict with your will, Lord, we pray that you'd give us a heart that would surrender to you. And in place of that conflict, bring shalom. You are the God of peace. And to you we turn. In Jesus' name, amen.